So today we're starting a six-week uh, sermon series called Lead by Example, just to kind of let you know where we're going. We're doing six weeks in leadership, then we're going to do a Christmas series, and then we'll get into the book of Daniel after the new year. So we're starting this series called Lead by Example, and the purpose of this series is really for the future of this church, of the church in general. Uh, we have a leadership council here at this church made up of pastors, deacons, and elders, and we meet monthly for prayer and training and to make decisions for the church. And in the last year or so, during our training time, it became very clear to us that we need to equip the church for the future so that in decades to come, the church is still a gospel light to this community. Now, the realization, obviously, that we all have is none of us are getting any younger, and it reminds us if we miss the opportunity to train up the next generation, the purpose of the church can be lost. Now, if you learned anything over the last 18 or 20 months through this pandemic, you may have learned that people that you once thought were level-headed and godly people have gone rogue over what has gone, what we've gone through in this world. So when I look at this and I think about it, if a health emergency has caused this much turmoil among believers, what happens to the church when there's actual persecution of the church? or when the church is faced with pressure from the world to conform to what the world believes and turn our backs on biblical truth. So sadly, many Christians and churches have fallen by the wayside in their beliefs, but I could say that the current leadership that we have here at this church is committed to biblical truth. But the question is, can we say that the next generation within our church is also committed to biblical truth? And I would like to say yes, but then we have to ask, what are we doing to make sure that the answer is yes? So some have said the church is one generation from extinction, meaning this, the current hell beliefs can be lost in just one generation. That extinction is based on the current generation dropping the ball and not answering the call to train up the next generation in biblical truth. Now, there's going to be a day where the current leadership will step down, I'll retire, or some of us will pass away, and we want to make sure that FRBC continues spreading the gospel of Jesus, like your t-shirts say, right, since 1977. We want to continue on that. <clears throat> so whose responsibility is, to make sure, is it to make sure that happens? Well, the scriptures teach that it's the leadership's responsibility to make sure that happens. So I believe things are happening here in the church to prepare the next generation, but we feel as a leadership it's time to get more direct and more purposeful and, it, and having a streamline that creates uh, uh, something that trains and sharpens leaders, not only for the purpose of serving within this local church, but for the purpose of serving within any local church that the next generation finds themselves in. So our leadership council agreed <laughs> that the first step is we need to teach the masses, meaning, in other words, we need to teach the entire church. The entire church needs to know about Christian leadership because the truth is that Christian leadership skills are going to be put into every area of your life, whether you're working in a secular job, whether you're working in the school system, uh, in your neighborhood, in your family, within your family you're going to need Christian leadership skills. And many of you have those leadership skills. 
So the big idea of this series is the verse in Titus 2.7, and it says this, Show yourself in all respects to be an example of good works. So we as believers need to be an example of good works to the people around us. So we can tell others how we can tell others how to follow the Lord. We can teach others how, which needs to happen and it can be very effective, but if we are not living it, we're not really communicating well. If we're not actually an example, we're not really communicating well. It's like that old illustration that some of you might have heard of the new pastor that was in town. And he got on the bus, and the bus driver gave him too much change. And the pastor sat in the back of the bus, and he was counting the change, counting the change, and he finally realized, I got too much change. So he thought to himself, should I keep it or should I give it back? So on his way off the bus, he gives the extra change back and says to the bus driver, hey, you gave me extra change. And the bus driver looks at him, he says, I know, I heard you were a new pastor in town and I wanted to see if I should come to your church. So I gave you extra change as a test. See you Sunday. So it's a silly little illustration, right? But the point is we should be an example of what we believe. So in any form of leadership, we should be an example of our firmly held beliefs. So our starting point for this series, lead by example, is going to be this first topic. We need to be an example of faith. We need to be an example of faith. Now there's much written about leadership, and obviously there's some very good leadership materials out there, even in the secular world. But for us, our main focus needs to be our faith that drives us. Living by an example of faith actually can lead other people to faith. So let's start with these questions. What is faith and how, how do we define it? Well, in the scripture reading this morning, Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. So if we break it down, the assurance of things hoped for, what do we as believers hope for? Well, we know the gospel message is that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, that Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he is God, and that Jesus said all who believe will have eternal life. We also believe that Jesus, again, will return one day. These are the things that we hope for. We hope it really, truly happened, and we hope that Jesus will come back. Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. The whole, our, our, our life should encompass our faith in Jesus Christ. And then it says this, So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So you see what this passage is saying. It's only by faith that we're justified before God. Meaning this, when God looks at us at our day of judgment, it's just as if we never sinned. So this is being sure of that, that very thing that we hope for. But the next passage, next in the passage states, the conviction of things not seen. So what does it look like if we can't see it? Well, conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion. It's based on something heard, passed down, or communicated. 
So as believers, we have firmly held beliefs based on things that we did not witness firsthand and based on things that we hope will happen in the future. That is our faith. See, at this point, some will say, well, how do you know that's true? And this is where the writer of Hebrews says in verse 3, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So it's by faith that we believe these things are true. But the truth is, no matter what system of belief a person has, they're exercising faith. Wouldn't you agree with that? No matter what system of belief a person has, they're exercising faith. If a person believes there's no God, that's a statement of faith. They might say, how do you know there's a God? And you might say, well, how do you know there's not? Okay, so I can point you to things that I believe to show you that there is a God, but it's a leap of faith for me to believe in God. So based upon what we believe about Jesus, what he did for us should inspire us, it should encourage us, and it should convict us to follow by faith how he tells us to live. So if this is what we hope for, and these are our convictions, shouldn't our focus in life be to point other people to having that same hope and those same convictions? Shouldn't our faith change the way that we live in order to point others to Jesus? So if we know the truth about the things of God, we should want to lead others into that truth. But the question then becomes, how do we do that? And what does that look like? You know what? It starts with being an example of the faith that we have, living out our beliefs. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us examples of people in the Old Testament that led others by their faith in the Lord because they lived out what they believed. Now, in some cases, they led groups of people, and in others, their example of unwavering faith led generations of people, including us, because when we look back at those accounts, we're inspired by their faith. So in this list of people there, there, that had strong faith, there are 16 people named and many others not named, but referenced. And their main connection is that they are all people that lived by faith. Now, I want to say they led by faith, too, because they acted on what they believed. They acted on and lived out what they believed. Now, for the sake of time, we obviously are not going to go through the entire chapter of Hebrews 11. But just to give you a bit of a summary, we learn that by faith, Abel and Abraham both sacrificed. By faith, Noah built an ark, even though he never saw rain before that point. By faith, Sarah conceived a child in her old age. By faith, Moses led the people out of Egypt. Then the chapter gives a laundry list of many other people in the Old Testament that lived by faith. In, in uh, Hebrews 11, 33 through 40, I'll just read it to you. It says this, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. 
Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered a mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So all these things happened to these people, and they still lived as examples of faith, even though, as, it, as you might have caught it at the end, did not receive what was promised, which means they did not see Jesus come in their lifetime like those that the writer of Hebrews was actually talking to, which lived right after the event, and in some cases even witnessed Jesus walking on the earth. But now here we are 2,000 years out, and although we are told that Jesus walked the earth and died and rose from the grave, we didn't see it, right? We didn't see it. So we have to have faith that it happened. Because if it didn't happen, nothing that he taught was actually worth following. Would you agree with that? If it didn't happen, nothing that Jesus taught is really worth us following. So the final question then we need to deal with is this. How do we live by faith like they did? We don't see the whole picture. We didn't witness the whole picture. We see God's plan through his word, but we're exercising faith and finding it. Well, the answer is we need to do things that sharpen our faith so that when we're in the situation, we act on our faith like those in Hebrews chapter 11 did. So we need to sharpen our faith daily so when things come our way, we actually act in faith. So how do we sharpen our faith? Well, the first way that we sharpen our faith is through hearing God's word. Do you know Romans 10, 17 says this? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. Do you realize that when you hear God's word, it actually sharpens your faith? Like what's going on right now should actually sharpen your faith. So you come here on Sundays to hear God's word. We teach from the Bible. You need to spend time in the word as well. You can listen to sermons from other pastors that teach the word. The important thing is the focus is on the word not people's interpretation of the word, but the actual words from God. A Christian needs to be on a steady diet of being in the scripture, reading the scripture. So on our church website and on our app, we have a resource link. There's tons of resources to help you and point you in the right direction to get yourself on a steady diet of God's word. To make sure that you don't listen and read books by people who don't actually teach about God, but actually teach false messages. Now, the second thing that, need, that we need to do to sharpen our faith is memorize the word of God. 
Now, you might be saying the whole thing, <laughs> not the whole thing. I mean, if you could do the whole thing, do the whole thing. But normally what we do is we take verses and memorize them. Psalm 119, verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know what? You might say, I have a hard time memorizing things. And let me just ask you a question. Can you sing along with a song that you grew up listening to? I bet you can. And I would even guess that you could sing along with a song that you can't stand, okay? And it gets stuck in your head, and it just goes on in your head all week long. You can memorize things. Don't just say, I can't memorize things. You can memorize things. You do have a memory, and it's filled with tons of things, and many of those things have no spiritual value. So why not start to fill your mind with Scripture? Because when a situation comes your way, God will help you recall that scripture that you memorized. It just happens. God will help you recall that scripture that you memorized. Now, there's some tools out there. There's actually Bible verse memory apps that you can actually download and pick the verses that you want to memorize, and they'll help you. There's something that I used years and years ago called the Topical Memory System. We have it linked up on that resource page. And you could buy this thing, and it's little cards, and you keep them in your pocket, and you just memorize. I could tell you that some of the verses that I memorized over 20 years ago will oftentimes pop up in my head when I'm in a situation that I need it or when I'm preparing to teach other people. Those verses are there, and they're not going anywhere. And you know what? We're so spoiled in a sense, right? We can Google Bible verses and find out where they are. We can go on our Bible apps, but there might be a time of persecution when the word is not available to us. So what do we do then? What happens to the word? Do we just forget about it? Oh, I, I don't have a copy anymore. That's why it's so important for us to sharpen our faith, to memorize the scriptures that are important to us. The next thing that sharpens our faith is fellowshipping with other believers. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, this can get dicey right now, right? Because here's the way our culture went through this pandemic. All of a sudden, like online church seems to be a viable option for many. And I will say this, it works in a pinch. We always posted sermons online for years and years and years here. And the goal was not only to increase our ministry of other people listening in, but also for the people for you. So when you miss a week, you can, you can stay connected and hear or go back and listen. But here's what happens. Now we've seen this, and, and this, this is a tough one. People have said, well, I just go to church online. And they're never physically with other people. Now, I know this pandemic has been difficult for everyone. But one of the reasons we have kept the services outside as much as possible is we want people to feel safe so they can enjoy fellowshipping with other believers because we realize it's so important to. But not only that, we're commanded to, and it sharpens our faith. Now, think about this for a minute. We're talking about leadership 
in this series, Lead by Example. And today's topic is the example of faith. Now, what if I received an email this week and someone said, I've been attending online services for almost two years now, and I want to be in leadership in the church. What do you think I would say? Well, let me ask you, what would you say? Okay, the first thing I would say is you can be in charge of turning on your computer and turning it off at the end of the service. That would be the joke that I would tell them. But the second thing is, no, you need to be here. You need to get to know people. You need to be around people. You need to fellowship. Most of you here realize, those of you that do really fellowship with other people, realize that their faith sharpens you. Being around them actually sharpens you. The conversations you have, the friendships you make, the people that you're around. We're not created to sit behind screens and watch. We're created to be around other people. I do realize there's valid reasons. I don't want to offend people in the sense of if they're tuning in, but I do realize there's valid reasons that some physically cannot make it to church. And But I'm talking to the people that all of a sudden, the new excuse for never being in fellowship is, I go to church online. But then you see him at Walmart, you see him at ShopRite, you see him at concerts, you see him at school, you see him everywhere else crowds are, but apparently the church crowd is an unsafe crowd to be around. And I'll tell you this, when you're around the church crowd, sometimes we are unsafe, right? Because we might actually hold you accountable for something. We might actually ask you a tough question about your life and, and what's going on. You know what? Sometimes we don't fellowship with others because we've been hurt. Maybe some of you are saying, well, you know, part of the reason why I haven't come to church for a while or I'm not coming to church is, you know what? People let me down. I'm hurt. And I'm just going to tell you this. People will let you down and people will hurt you. And Jesus actually talked about that. Listen to Luke 17, 1 through 4. It says this. And he said to his disciples, temptation to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they have come. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around their neck and were cast into the sea than they should cause one of these little ones to sin. But then Jesus says this, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you and seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, obviously, when I read that and when you hear that, you're thinking, man, that's tough. Well, guess what? The apostles also realized that stuff. They heard Jesus say this, and they said, they literally turned to Jesus and said this, increase our faith. They heard him say, you have to forgive other people. If they come to you and apologize, you need to forgive them. Their response was, increase our faith. Which brings us to the final thing that sharpens our faith, and that's in prayer. They're just asking Jesus, Jesus, increase my faith. Some of these things that you heard, you're thinking, these are hard things to do. And I will tell you, they are. And we can't do them on our own. But when we rely on the power of God and go to him in prayer and ask him, our faith increases. Do you realize the more you pray, the more your faith is strengthened? How do I know this? Well, when we pray, we become more aware of what God is doing, and we see God working more in our lives, which increases our faith. 
The more we see God working, the more we believe he's going to continue to work. Some of you sitting here this morning have seen that. You've prayed for things and seen God reveal himself to you, and you're just like, yeah, you know what? If he did that, he's going to do this. That's how these heroes of faith lived. They based it on the things that God had told them and the things that they saw God do. And they just said, well, if God hasn't let me down here, I'm just continuing on. I'm just going to continue to go. I'm going to continue to follow him. See, when we look at these four things and think back to all the things that the heroes of faith went through in their lives, it would have been easy for them to get discouraged. They went through some tough stuff barely any of us have gone through anything near what these heroes of faith went through. And it would have been easy for them to get discouraged. And maybe even right now, maybe you're discouraged. Well, listen to what 1 John 5, 4 says. And this is interesting. It says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Do you get that? Your faith in the Lord is actually going to help you to overcome the situations of the world that you will go through. The very thing that we're working on to sharpen is the very thing that's going to get us through any situation. So as a believer, you have the power of God in you to overcome whatever comes your way because you have faith in Jesus. The call is to lead others by that example of faith so they too have faith in Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this day. We're thankful for everything you've done for us. We're thankful, Lord, for this church, Lord, and for the fellowship that we enjoy and for the commitment that we have to teaching your word because we know that your word is what increases our faith. So we're thankful for that. I just pray for each person here in whatever stage of life, whatever area of life they're in, that they'll realize their faith is actually leading people. Their faith is actually leading people and that they can have such an impact on the people around them. Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.